it's very possible that the people who are in the very depths of the sin have much greater faith than those who aren't. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. I am Mike Gomer Gormley, and I'm joined as always by Dave, the Hope is Real Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? <laughs> the Hope is Real. I'm good. Not gonna I'm lie, good, I was panicking. I was I was panicking on that. Uh, really? <laughs> but right next to my screen is uh, that quote from Romans five four: uh, "Character produces hope, and yeah. hope doesn't put a, you know hope yeah. does not disappoint." So I was like, something yeah. with hope. <laughs> nice now i'm doing well i uh do you know today we're recording on this is the longest day of the year and so oh i didn't realize that yeah yeah that? i am now i'll be sad from here on out so it's just <laughs> it's just fleeting it's sand slipping from my hands oh uh, well you live in the frozen north right I know, like, man. down here I know. in the I south know what i'm like, thinking ole, ole. i mean it's just party all the time there's just, there's this one uh carnivore lady that i follow on instagram and she she <laughs> lives in Laguna Beach, California. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. just like I, I look at it and I'm thinking, I have I gotta be the dumbest person on earth. Like, what am I doing living? <laughs> and I love Pittsburgh. I just I am not I hate cold weather and I hate snow so much. And I love the beach. I mean, I am made for the beach. That seems sure. like you have uh set yourself up for a fall, my friend. <laughs> set yourself up for a fall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who's the carnivore lady that you follow on Instagram? Maybe I follow her too. I don't even remember her name. You know, I don't do. I, I, I'm not. <laughs> you hear a name mentioned, you click follow, and then you just my, read their stuff. My, my kids, I've been showing them like old school kickboxing matches that I watched when I was little. That makes and sense. They, Go and, on. and I keep telling them like, they think it's so funny because I always say like, oh, this guy's like my favorite fighter. And they're like, what's his name? And I'm like, I don't remember. <laughs> like, I, I just never, that's never been yeah. a thing for me. And it's yeah. it's hard. Like, when you're with other men because they know sports names and everything. Like our friend Kenny. Kenny yeah. Baldwin knows every stat of <laughs> you know, it's funny. So Yeah, it's always it's saying. always funny when uh people start throwing out names. I was at an event and uh, I was staying in this wonderful person's house, Jill's house in uh in Connecticut, I think. And we were hanging out and her husband came home and I was staying in the basement. The basement's all decked out with like golf, mostly golf, but other types of stuff. Okay. And he's like, hey, my cousin uh, roomed with uh, David Carr in college. And I just stare at him and I'm like, David Carr, David Carr, David Carr. Oh, crap. This is a man thing that I need to know. Right. Who's David Carr? Right. Who's David Carr? Why right. would he goes, you know, David Carr? And I was like, <gasps> I go, wow. And then it clicked. <laughs> David Carr at the time was a quarterback for the Houston Texans. And oh, from Houston, so I was like, okay. Oh wow! Wow! Okay, yeah, no, wow, yeah, okay. Wow. See, I would see, I would never <laughs> know that. I would never know. That's I'm. Um, it's it's stressful for me. Yeah. Stressful, but yeah, because it reveals my inadequacy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got something coming up? Are you doing? You're doing one of the Steubenville conferences, the only Steubenville conference. I am excited. So we are going to do Steubenville, Florida is going strong. So July seventeenth, eighteenth, and nineteenth. 
So we're flying out there. We're doing it on prem, as the children say. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have the goal is to have 300 kids in the in the area. Right. Come to the physical location. And then on top of that, we want to have thousands of people sign up. We want youth ministers signed up in order to do the conference together. So like when we do a Saturday night adoration, maybe have adoration at the church if you're able to do that, you know, different things like that. So I'm super excited about it. Um, one, because I love the Zoomville conferences. And two, this is going to be like an unconference, you know, so they're having two hosts. And so, uh, you know, you're going to have your live on-site host. And then when the speaker comes off the stage, in order to keep the live people engaged, you have to do something else, right? You can't just right. film, you know, it, it's it's going to be so different. And so they, they're sweating the details so much that one of the things that they did was they hired another host who's going to be like in a, they're going to create a room where then you can hear like additional, like an interview with the host and go back and forth. And then the kids can send in interactive questions and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. And it's Chris Padgett. <laughs> He's oh, so wow. funny. If you don't know Chris Padgett, he is, his sense of humor borders on terrifying yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's so he makes crazy. me nervous every time he's on a stage yeah <laughs> but he's great he's great he's what is he a homesteader now i think he's yeah actually he's, uh I, I don't know have you watched any of their tv show their, their episodes i ha i watched the first one and then i always watch his campaign for presidency that he does every yeah. four years we we should we should uh have him on because um this sh the show is good man it's called i think it's called happy family homesteading Okay. And like there's an episode where they talk about their daughter getting pregnant out of out of marriage, okay? And yep. it's like it's a it's a powerful episode, man. It's a powerful oh, wow. episode. Yeah, I mean you see Chris's butt crack like every 5 minutes, but but why uh, why is he bending over feeding yeah. chickens or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Chris, and he, I bet you he did that a hundred percent. I know, I know. He's crazy. You never know what you're gonna get with him. Yeah. Every well, time, that's cool. when, whenever I first met him, I just remember being like, "This guy is so funny." And then he, it's like a switch goes off in his head, and he goes like full Andy Kaufman. Like he's like, yeah, just like manipulating in a yeah. funny way, like the yeah. audience. And you're just like, right. "Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. What do yeah. I do?" Right. <laughs> right. He. Uh, um. Anyways, he, he. You know, he's a master evangelist too, and we we definitely yeah, should is. have him on. But uh, yeah, so sign up for that uh, conference. Um. I don't know. The information must be on Steubenville's website, yep. the SteubenvilleConferences.com. And yeah, I know there's also Steubenville Live, and they're doing that night on the 17th, 18th, 19th. On the 19th, they're doing an adult one. Right. And Father right. Dave Pavanka is going to be uh, head, uh, leading that up and stuff. I'm excited. Yeah, that that's going to be good. So sign up. Uh, yeah. So we'll today, put the information I, in the show notes. So today, I, I've been thinking a lot about sin. Okay, I've been thinking a lot about sin, and I don't mean like in an examination of conscience kind of way, but a sin and discipleship, because um, the, it there is a real interesting relationship between sin and our our walk with Jesus, and I say interesting in the sense that, um, you know, I, I've worked with people who have been deeply, deeply caught in serious, heinous, almost jaw dropping sin. Okay, I, I've I've worked with plenty of those people in Gomerson Prison Ministry. Like you, you know, when you see the depths that um, a person can sink to without Jesus Christ, it is it is literally horrifying. And I've also worked with people who live a very I don't know I'd say I guess like secularly moral life in the sense that 
they're not really, you know, going out and carousing. They're not getting drunk. They're not murdering, robbing, all those kinds of things. Uh, they live a pretty moral life as far as just, you know, normal existence. And it's funny because it's very possible that the people who are in the very depths of the of the sin have much greater faith than those who aren't, than those who are kind of practicing almost like a secular morality. And and I want to kind of talk about this because, yeah. you know, it's it, it's possible that a great sinner can be a man of great faith. Like, so for instance, I, I, I'll talk to you about uh, one of the groups, uh, pornography support groups that I've worked with before. Um, these are men, you know, who have lost their families, lost jobs because of it. They have um, acted out in ways that you cannot you can't even imagine. I couldn't even talk about it on the show. Right. Um, that are, are really horrendous, but, and they're still trapped in that sin. There's no question, but they are deeply, deeply, deeply involved in a fight against that sin. And they, they show such incredible faith that God can save them and can, can take them out of, of this lifestyle and everything like that. And then I've worked with people who, are really good moral people, but don't express the same kind of faith. And so there is kind of a funny relationship. And so I thought what we could talk about is how it, how sin and evangelization, but then right after someone's evangelized, you know, what do we do? Do we just ignore the sin in their life? How do we help them? How do we walk them through? So that's kind of what I, I thought we'd throw out there today, Gomer. Yeah, I think this is so important because the, the vast majority of people turn to God when they are convicted of their own sin. Yep. Right? Like, yep. you you had said this line in the last uh, show where we were talking about doing half-secular events for men's ministry, and you had made the comment, like, I'm not into all this Jesus stuff, but I know I can't keep doing this thing in my life, or what, however you phrased it. And it's important to understand, like, like, there has been a tradition in the church, little t tradition, of, like, people who leave the faith to pray for their confusion and their like their experience of being lost that it might be heightened so that they'll repent and return and yeah i mean you people who are ready to change are people who have come to the end of their of themselves realize the poverty that it's caused and then said i i can't i can't do it i've lived my own will and the, it was a prisoner an inmate who actually taught me that he stood up amongst the guys and said, "Listen, we've been living our own way this whole time. You know, I I made I've made $10,000 in a single night, you know, working working for the world and serving the world and all this stuff." And he said, "I I lived by the cleverness of my own mind and by uh the violence of my own hands, and all it ended was in this place, a dead end." And he's like, "Maybe God can show us another way." And it you know, things like that is like Yes, yes, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin that we need a savior, that we need that there is this thing called judgment and we are all under it, but Christ is savior. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah, and I I, I so I would say that like it's tricky with evangelization because you know, there, there's been a rejection of sin in our society, and we've talked about that in past episodes. I think we've even done a whole episode on evangelization and sin. Um but so that's not easy, right? You're not going right. to go in guns blazing and saying you're a sinner. You know, you need to repent. That's that's not exactly how it's going to work, right? You're going to be more nuanced than that. But what's important is that you remember that once someone does give their life to Jesus Christ, 
it it doesn't magically get rid of their sin. And for many people, this becomes a major stumbling block and often the yo-yo point, right? The yo-yo going up and down between their relationship with Jesus. So what do we do to deal with that? And I, I can tell you that, um, you know, I'm the recipient of like a special grant. There's a grant that I have um, where men come who are addicted to pornography can come in and work. I work through a program and um, it's I can tell you that it is one of the most important things, because if they don't deal with it right away, they don't see the power of Jesus Christ. Like if they if they try a little bit and it doesn't work, it's very easy for a new disciple to say, you know what? I tried Jesus and it didn't work. I'm still addicted and it's not going to work. So we really have to be ready Mm. to respond with sin. And and it's not just pornography. It's not just serious sin. It is alcoholism. It is... uh, Gossip. It is all the things that are just and it's tearing anger that leads to yeah. violence and stuff right. like that. I mean, of course, in the prison, anger is a big deal. But you know, so many men live with this um, that I've discovered. Like so many men live with an inability to control their anger, and they don't think of it as them. You know, it's funny. It's like yo, know, women are all emotional. Men are just as emotional as women, except our emotions are you know like right. uh, annoyance, frustration, and anger. Right? Like those are the big three for a lot of men. And um, yeah, I think um, I I like what you're saying, and I like where you're going to take this. So you're taking the lead on this show today. The only thing I want to I want to point out is um, when we talk about th- this is why every path is different, right? Right. For some people. What brings them to Christ is a frustration with dealing with their own inadequacy to to find happiness, to find love, to find joy, to be known and loved. Uh, that is through their sin. For others, right, evangelizing them doesn't mean coming at them and confronting their sinfulness. It means, you know, letting them experience that love and goodness or whatever it might be. It's so interesting how the delicate topic of my sin, not sin in general, but my right. sin when addressed, can either push people away or draw people in. This is where wisdom comes in, discernment, testing the spirits, all that stuff. So so be wise, my friends, when you hear these words. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, so I would say this. I would say, first of all, especially if you're in parish ministry, but really for anyone, um, it's important to know when to start talking about sin and, and a new life, okay? Because yeah. what you don't want to do is go too far uh, and you don't want to do it too soon. Now, we, we kind of covered the too soon, right? The too soon means you jump right out guns blazing saying you're a sinner and you need this, right? This is like the, uh, you know, well, I mean, you see those churches at rallies and stuff like that who, you know, their signs are mostly horrible. But, uh, yeah. but you know, you see people like that, okay? And you also don't want to wait too long in the relationship to try to help them start to look at sin in a new way because what happens is they they start to wonder like well why why is that person not bringing this up why why are we not talking about this this is this is and they start to feel the distance between them and God that sin creates right uh now at the beginning they're not going to feel that they're going to feel the butterflies and everything like that but but they will at one point be cut to heart right and they'll realize the distance that it creates so i think the first step is really knowing when to talk about that and like gomer said for each person it's going to be kind of different but uh I, what i do is i usually really really still practice in the early modes of discipleship 
active listening constantly, 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 constantly. So it's not like when someone gives their life to Jesus Christ, I'm like, okay, I'm done asking you questions. And now, uh, after that, I'm going to you know, leave you alone. It's yeah. like I continue along and I kind of find where they're at and try to find like really the needs of their heart, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And, and speaking, uh, I, I keep going back to these words ever since that one episode we did with the priest, priest but um, speaking strategically, right? Yeah. One way to confront sin, you know, Dave was talking about like, when do we talk about it? Um, how do we help people, especially new disciples, look at sin in any way? One a piece of advice that I would give people is if you're giving, you can confront sin pretty aggressively with the mercy of Jesus Christ, of course. Um, if you keep it more general and you know, when you're in a large group, right, you you can talk about these things and the frustrations that they lead to. When you're dealing with individuals, that's where, um, you know, and their specific sin, that's where what Dave said, like, you really do have to figure out when is the appropriate time to kind of challenge them on these things. Like, for instance, um, you have a couple that are cohabitating and fornicating, right? Double whammy. How do you, and yet they're still coming to the church for a wedding, right? They want to get married in the church for whatever reason, right? You oh, this now, is the quintessential situation, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it's it that scenario, this is the this is why you know, like maybe one of the ways you know you have a charism evangelization. I can't wait to meet those couples. Yeah. And I've talked with clergy who are like, those couples are the bane of their existence because it's so uncomfortable for them. I'm like, are you kidding me? They're here. They're they've come yeah. to you. Are you right. kidding me? But the idea of like like I teach a, a, a theology morality class for engaged couples and that I can confront pornography, lust, um, fornication, cohabitation. I can confront that in a general way and the Holy Spirit can take that and convict them individually without coming across as a judgmental jerk who's casting them into outer darkness. But then the clergy, the priest or deacon who's working with them individually or the sponsor couple who's mentoring and discipling uh, them you know, two on two. That is a place where the they can begin to voice their responses because a lot of them are there because they still have an attachment to Christ and or his church. And so there is wiggle room there to begin to speak into that. So for me, I get more aggressive in general, uh, yeah. in general ways with bigger audiences, like a class that, you know, maybe we're doing a formation topic. Like when I talk about humane vitae, right? I'm conscious that everyone in the room probably practices hardcore contraception since the, the woman was 15 years old. Okay, aware of that, I got to be tactical when I like have those conversations, but I can confront that, right? But when I'm sitting down with them, I'm not going to be like, "So, are you contracepting again?" Right? right. Like that's that's inappropriate, right? Right. Yeah. And and I think that the biggest thing is when you do a, a kind of confront it aggressively, you have to make sure that there's a way out. So, for instance, confronting um, the, the teaching against contraception aggressively, you're going to have to introduce NFP. You're going to have to introduce uh, the other the kind of the how do you get out of that life? Because like Omer said, some of them, you know, since they were 15 years old, have been on the pill or something like that. It's the same thing with pornography. Confronting pornography is all well and good, but you you are never going to it's it's uh, only by a miraculous grace. Would a man hear about the dangers and the evils of pornography, be cut to heart, and then stop just from the message? Yeah. You have to provide some kind of thing. And so I think I would encourage parishes, 
definitely like we have a, a house at our parish that's just known like it's it's just there for um like uh uh NA, AA, all those things. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is really, really important. Um, and we got to have ways that men can anonymously uh, work through addictions to pornography and women, right? Uh, yeah. We have to have, we have to have very good pipeline to courage programs and accepted programs of, you know, for those dealing with same sex attraction. Uh, all of these things, it's unfair to, to tell someone that their sin is wrong, but then to say, well, you're, you're just there. There's nothing we can do about it. There's no hand we're going to give you to help you up. So we have to make sure that we're providing them with something. And with the with the quintessential Catholic sins, which I would say are uh, greed, gossip, anger, like Gomer said, withholding yeah. forgiveness, those are a lot easier, right? Because in a lot of ways, those can go away with teaching people how to examine their conscience, how to repent how to uh you know pray for virtue and then go yeah. into confession regularly but some of them some of them are are more much more complicated than that yeah and you know you start looking at like greed and pride and anger and gossip a lot of those are the reason why they can be addressed in certain ways easier is because that's an unexamined default approach and when okay. you begin to examine your life you're like oh wow i do do this like right you become aware like that's one of the things we're just teaching the truth about things it's it's like one of those things that you just can't unsee like the carnivore diet how it's morally superior to everything else you just can't <laughs> you just get, can't yeah i know i know yeah. i'm gonna get nothing our people have never once written a single thing to me in an email about the carnivore diet <laughs> going strong baby um no, but like it's it's like one of those things like when you uh you know you find out that your favorite product is supporting planned parenthood or you know right, like one of those right. you can't unsee it and then you're like oh this is oh I'm gossiping right now yeah this is gossip and then so, but the other sins right St. Paul talks about the sins that you do with with your body right sexual sins and when we talk about sexual sins or we talk about drug and alcohol addictions these are things that involve biochemistry to such a high degree right that um that you know you we're not just fighting against a bad thought we're fighting against muscle memory we're fighting against nostalgia right people don't think about that but like um i i have a friend of mine who was addicted to crack right and part of his routine was he would drive past downtown houston coming from north he was going just south and he would always take this one exit this one exit. So when he saw that exit, that was the trigger. And then the whole, you know, lust for crack came out. Right. Oh. So what he had to do was readjust his route to leave the fastest highway and take surface streets for about eight miles just so he wouldn't see that sign because he knew himself and he knew that this is just a biological thing, too, that we got to take awareness, bring our awareness into this. So that's why. um you know, for many people, uh, you know, uh, my buddy Luke always says, you've been addicted to pornography for, you know, 15 years and you think it's going to disappear in a day because of some good thoughts. Like right. there's healing of an open wound and patterns of life that you've built around this sin. This is why, uh, you know, scripture talks about um, fortresses of sin, right? Strongholds. Right. right. And it's not just a stronghold because the devil owns you. It's also a stronghold because of nature, not just like supernatural. We got to focus on the natural. And there's a whole bunch of areas around that that we can confront with our faith, with science, with counselors and all this stuff. But that that's another added layer. So don't feel, don't despair 
because your sin is still with you, though you've received the gift of faith in Christ Jesus, because you long for freedom. That's why you hate feeling the way you do when you turn to the sin, right? So that in and of itself is a, is a manifestation of mercy and grace working in your heart. Even though you don't have the freedom, you have the disgust over that, but the disgust can become despair if you let it. Yep. And so that's why I, I think the next, the next thing you have to remember is to make sure that you understand the nuance of that relationship, right? That disgust can become despair if you're not careful. So what you want to do is make sure that when you're working with a new disciple, right, that they understand that their faith is real just because they go and commit a heinous mortal sin, right? Um, because, because of an addiction, it doesn't mean that their faith isn't real. Now, you also don't want to let them off the hook forever, right? I mean, that that is a big problem now today, okay? You don't want to just say like, you know, okay, yeah, we're just going to overlook all the horrible things, right? Because like in our own life, we know that that would not, it would not work in a relationship, okay? But what you want to do is affirm that that faith is real, right? And yes, that faith is real. And then, and then make sure that they understand it can get so much better, right? That in scripture, it says, lay aside every encumbrance of sin so that we can run the race that is before us, right? That, that that is what we're trying to get to, that we are running that race and you're fighting it and there's no question and it's not going to go away in a day. So that faith is absolutely real and continue on that path. But there is this big thing that could help us to more fully embrace Jesus Christ, to be more free, right? And that is laying aside, you know, whatever the big sin is. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Gomer, it's interesting. Like, um, I always tell the story. I, I'm sure I've told you, I'm sure I've told it on the air before about um there was a guy on campus when we were at Franciscan that I really did I didn't like. Do you do you remember this story? No, huh. not really. Uh yeah, not so, right now. Uh so uh I had a little bit of a drinking problem in it uh for like one year in college where it was like every single Thursday and every Saturday I would go out and and get drunk, you know. And I remember a few people like said some things to me and it kind of like started to make me think about it. And then I remember on Monday morning, something happened. Like I got back a bad grade or something like that. And I remember thinking like, oh, I can't wait for Thursday night when I can go get drunk. And it like kind of set something off in my head. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, what just happened here? You know? So I stopped drinking for like a year and, uh, and I, I didn't, I didn't drink at all for a year. And I, we would go to confession every Saturday of me and a group of guys, um, at, like a, a parish off campus. And I remember it was my year anniversary. I hadn't taken a drink and I was on my way to confession. And I was so excited to pat myself on the back to the priest that I had been, I had been, you know, I hadn't drank in a year oh, and, yeah. and I, and, and someone brought up a name and, and I was like, Oh, that guy, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I just ripped into him, just totally ripped into him, you know, like, just destroyed his character. I mean, I was guilty yeah. of murder for sure, yeah. you know, of murdering this man's character. And I remember like all of a sudden, like after confession, just thinking I was so excited to pat myself on the back that I got rid of this big sin in air quotes. Yeah. And I, and I have been letting this other sin fester so deeply. Yeah. And so these little sins that we think that, you know, are not a big deal, they fester, right? And they can become bigger and bigger and bigger and can literally take over your relationship with Jesus. So don't ignore it just because yeah. you don't see the big sins in someone's life. Yeah. So when we're talking about sin and conversion, right, you lead with the mercy of Christ. Otherwise, how would people have the 
merely emotional resources to deal with the horrors that they've committed, right? I, I, I'm doing a That Man Is You talk. I, did I mention this? I'm doing a That Man Is You uh, you've, you've mentioned it literally every single episode since then Gosh. since you've done it yeah so. and it's only been like a week and a half <laughs> no but the the whole idea of the mercy of christ is this this allows me to face the evilness within me without feeling like i'm abandoned and lost to it right the disgust can never lead to despair it ought to lead to hope but not hope in myself hoping what the lord is capable of doing in me if he's capable of dying on a cross for my sins and then resurrecting himself from the grave then there is no sin of mine that he is powerless over however my timetable is right now make me perfect take all these things away right, right now right now right now but um, there's a quote from the catechism where it says, like a physician who probes the wound before treating it, God, by his word and by his spirit, casts a living light on sin. And I don't I don't ever want to think about that, right? I want you just to take it away, take it away, take it away, make me perfect, make me perfect. St. Francis of Sales, the way of perfection for us is by battling our imperfections. Now, sometimes God intervenes in a miraculous way and pulls people out of their sin in a miraculous way, and that's awesome. But that's the extraordinary, not the ordinary. The ordinary is you mature through the battle. It's not God's punishment right. of you. I think sometimes we think of like God's getting his comeuppance for my 20s you know, or whatever, yeah. and, uh, the thing I did last spring break or whatever it might be. That's not it. This is right. the way of Christian maturity. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. St. Paul says, talking about fighting our own sins. Like, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean like this vague bourgeois passivity towards my sin. Oh, that's okay. Oh, it's fine. Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, you're fixated on things too much. Oh, you're just a guilty conscience. No, no, it means confronting my sin as sin. Not confronting my temptation as sin. Acknowledging temptation as temptation and sin as sin. And certain sins are tied to other sins. Right. And that's why, Dave, I think it's so important what you said. Sometimes the little sins can become huge. Every little sin, every venial sin is connected to a web of other sins. It's connected to your attitude that might be pre-sinful but negative and leading you down a dark path. It might be tied to mortal sins. And so a trillion venial sins does not equal one mortal sin. But oh my goodness, do venial sins pave the way. Yeah, and absolutely. habitual p venial sins, even if they're small, even if you always tell a white lie whenever your wife says, does this, how do I look in this dress? And you look hideous, but you always tell her a lie, right? Whoa. You build habits, right? I'm trying to think of some stupid, like that's like a sitcom out of the 90s kind of thing. Right. Um, but that builds habits. And habitual venial sin is the super highway to mortal sin. And mortal sin destroys the life of charity between you and God. And so, like, confronting this and focusing on this, right, um, I, I remember talking with a man who was addicted to uh, pornography right before I was a freshman in college. And he said, you know, I just can't wait. He was a couple years older than me. He said, I just can't wait to have this out of my life. But I don't know what I would go to confession for. This guy went to confession every two or three days for pornography. <laughs> and he's like, funny? I don't know what I'd go to confession for once it's yeah. out. And I was like, isn't that funny? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's because it's like you have this huge, like, building or a huge yeah. wall that's obstructing right. all your your ability to see that's why aristotle said don't ask an evil man what what is a good thing right like because right. right. he's so habituated his will to evil he excuses evil and he, he, he you know we flip it around so yeah i, I'm, I always I, compare that to like it, an example like in that case because a lot of people feel that way well what would i confess yeah. if i didn't have this uh it's like cleaning a room with a candle, a dark room with a candle, <laughs> you know, like you walk in, you find something on the floor 
and you move it and then you walk a little bit further and you have no idea what's there. You know, yeah. honestly, that's what it's like. So I want to kind of close with just a few small tips of someone of like what a program, almost a program of life for someone who's really trying to strategically and intentionally deal with sin. Um, and so go, I'm going to say the things that I normally recommend. And then if you want to add some things in, all right, when we come back after this brief message from Ascension, we are going to go through the rules that Dave came out with in his devotional model to confronting sin and finding freedom in Christ. Two thousand years ago, Jesus Christ chose corrupt, broken, imperfect, sinful men to be the foundation of his church. And because these broken, imperfect men chose to remain in relationship with Jesus, they became saints. And they were used by Jesus to transform hearts and minds two thousand years later. I invite you to check out my book, Broken and Blessed where you'll find practical tools to overcome habitual sin, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and to walk with an imperfect church toward a perfect God who is calling all of us to perfection over time. To order the paperback book or audiobook, Broken and Blessed, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Now, the first rule is this. Um, if it's a, if it's some kind of sexual sin, like pornography, um, uh, something like that, and it's, and it's been a long time, right. Uh, they, they need to be in a support group or maybe in counseling or something like that. You need, you need to find, um, more help than, um, cause the model I'm going to present to you is what I would call the devotional model. And, um, th there, th I mean, there are times when you just, you're going to need more help because of the biological things and the chemical things that are happening um, in in someone's uh, body because of the sin. So so take that, please. Um, the first is this: you find yourself a good, thorough examination of conscience, and you're going to start doing those just once a day. A good, yeah. thorough examination of conscience. You're going to start doing those once a day. You also find yourself a nice repentance prayer. Okay, um, and it could just be your act of contrition. It certainly could be that, but. Um, I, I like to recommend some from the Eastern Church because uh, this is a big topic in the Eastern Church, right? Uh, things from like the Philokalia or or, or the it, uh, you know those kind of that area. Um, there are some great great repentance prayers, and you could literally just Google like Catholic repentance prayer, um, and uh, and you're going to use those together, right? So every single day you're going to do your examination of conscience, you're going to do your repentance prayer. I'm going to recommend that you go to confession. I like it kind of depends on the person, right? Because confession be can become just like communion where it becomes just a ritual that you do and you're doing it mindless and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so to kind of decide, but I think once a month is a, is a pretty good way to do it. Uh, and I think probably what's going to happen is you'll say you'll need it more and not less right at the beginning. Um, then I'm going to recommend the next thing. And this is absolutely key and and you will it's, it's it's almost like you could say there's no salvation without it and that is mental prayer mental prayer the the meditate christian meditation right meditating on the gospels meditating on the scriptures uh conversing with god uh in a special way why because sin starts in our mind right 
Uh, that's where we make our, you know, in our will, like that's where we make our decisions. And so when we kind of like subject our minds to God, uh, a lot of healing comes from that. And uh, so you want to do those, all those three things every single day. And then I would add in, if you can, I would add in a daily rosary. Okay. A, a rosary very often can be the weapon that, uh, God uses to crush sin in our life. Um, so, and, and and the reason for that is it's kind of like, um, well, I'm not going to give you the reason, but the reason I see it working very often is that it builds discipline, it builds virtue, it builds grace, it gets Mary on your side who desperately wants to wash her children, right, uh, of, of the dirt that she sees in them. Um, and so really those things would be a very simple way. And then finally, the last thing is this, I would as Gomer always, you know, gives his mission, that one thing, I would find that one thing that most keeps you from God. For a lot of you, it's going to be gossip, right? That one thing that most keeps you from God. And then I would find the opposite virtue and read everything you can on that virtue and start implementing all kinds of practices to grow in the virtue that is opposite to your besetting sin. Ooh, I love it. Oh, Dave, I love it. Okay, so uh, just my quick commentary, and I think these are very, very appropriate for us. Um, I would encourage you also, when he's talking about mental prayer, many of us are, many times we are aware of triggering effects, right? So I already talked about that. You have to reverse the trigger, right? Let it trigger something else. Let it trigger a holy movement within you. So I remember in my own personal journey out of uh, habitual pornography use, right, was through the use of, um, oh, man, the Anima Christi. You familiar oh, yeah. with that prayer? Oh, right? Yeah. Like, uh, every, it. yeah. yeah, it's an awesome prayer. So I kind of custom tailored a chunk of it to me. So as a trigger would happen within me and my in the past, my mind would mindlessly shift to where can I consume work? How can I view this? You know, whatever. Um once I began doing my examines and my confessions and all this stuff, it enabled me to not just go to full autopilot for this, and I would begin to pray against the temptation. St. Teresa of Avila says, resist the enemy when he's at your front gates, not when he's inside the house. It's far easier to repel him. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. So the moment the temptation or the triggering act occurs, the best thing you can do, or one of the things that you can do, is to speak truth into those lies, speak truth against that trigger. And so I would say... um, Oh, good Jesus, hear me within your wounds, hide me from the malicious enemy, defend me. Uh, and I would just repeat that, you know, there's a, a little bit more, but I would just, oh, good Jesus, hear me within your wounds, hide me from the malicious enemy, defend me. And so the idea of being St. Paul, what is his line for, for uh, the sin of fornication when you're being tempted? Just run, right? Just flee fornication. Yeah. And I heard a military guy walk through this because so many young men were like, no, that's stupid. You got to confront it and blah, blah, blah. And he goes... When I was in the military and we were ambushed in Iraq, he goes, when you're in an ambush, you get out of the ambush. You don't you don't right. hang out and try to dominate the enemy. You will lose and you will all die. He said the number one thing you do in an ambush is you just get the heck out of the ambush as fast as you can. Huh. He said that's the nature of St. Paul's advice. Like you're in an ambush. It's in your body, right? It's it's biochemically wired or whatever right. it might be. Right. right. Run, 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 get out of there. And so um, yeah, I, I would I would get you to get some strong Catholic prayer from the tradition. Maybe yeah. a quote from uh an act of contrition. 
I detest my sins because I dread the loss of heaven and the pains of hell, but most of all, because I offend you, my God, who are all good and deserving of all my love. Something quick, something that is meaningful, and something that is traditional that you can use to smash the devil right in the nose. Um, and then following that, when we talk about the devotional model, I'm a big believer in counseling. Uh, and so, Dave, I love that you that you led with that. I know that we've discussed your devotional model. But one of the most beautiful things about the devotional model is how, on a human level, a daily examine brings so much self-awareness yep. that most humans alive lack. Know yeah. thyself was written on the walls of uh, the temple to Apollo, and that became the motto of, of Socrates. But know thyself has been a part of the Christian tradition ever since, right? Like, yeah, the 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 room of self knowledge, Saint Teresa of Avila says, is one of those rooms that you can actually spend a lot of time in in this mansion of your interior castle. And so she talks about like you need to have self knowledge. You need to understand the names of your enemy. How can you fight it? So along the devotional model, I'm just going to come along, Dave, and just emphasize that um, that examine. And making that a bigger part, especially if you're dealing with the same sins or if the person you're discipling is dealing with the same sins. And then thirdly, I want to point out one difference between me and Dave throughout this whole episode. And this is telling because I'm such a sinner and he is saved by grace. Uh, Dave was modeling how do you mentor someone who is uh, a disciple uh, who is struggling with this. And the whole time I'm talking about as if you yourself who's listening is struggling with this. Well, I think that's good, though. I think No, I do. I do. But it wasn't until you were like, when you're working with the person, it was right after the disgust <laughs> becomes despair. And I was like, oh, yeah, other people. Because I every day you're inundated with stories of of men who are priests and deacons and bishops or you know people leading ministries, women leading ministries, all this stuff of the horrors of an unrestrained of unrestrained appetites, of yep. unrestrained desires, yep. of unconquered self. And you realize whether you're talking about, oh, that priest, he's such a jerk. He doesn't know how to control his anger. Oh, that priest, he's such a coward. He doesn't know how to, uh, uh, you know, run his staff oh, and, and, and bad, you know, false teaching is being spread. Oh, that, those lay leaders, they gossip endlessly. And you build these things, right? Like it is so important for us to realize <laughs> that those who work for the church are in need of the gospel of salvation, just as much, if not more than the people outside the church. So it's just, I just wanted to point out that funny perspective <laughs> for us. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, if you're interested in the full devotional model that I've kind of worked up, um, Feel free to email us, and I, I'm happy to send it to you. It, uh, it. I, I don't want to publish it because I just want it out there. So I'm happy to send you what I use. Um, Is it on your website? Could you put it as a PDF on your website? I, I could, on, but I come but, on, baby. I, but here's the thing. Here's the <laughs> yeah. thing about it. It really works better with a little bit of coaching. Yeah. So I hate to just like be like, here's a tool. Let me put a bandaid yeah. on this and, and go run with it. But, uh, but yeah, I can do that. I can, I can brush it up and take care of it and, <laughs> and do something that Gomer would do. So, but, uh, but absolutely, uh, make sure, right. As an evangelist, uh, you're, you're not at jumping on the too soon and you are, a but you are waiting too long to address sin because uh, you can rest assured that when you are in a relationship with someone, whether it be a spouse, a girlfriend, a friend, there are things that come in between the two of you that you don't talk about, right? Yeah. And sin is that thing that we don't talk about with Jesus. And so you want to make sure that we're addressing that 
so that the the gospel doesn't become flaccid, right? That that the gospel has the fullness of the power of what it was meant to do, and that is to bring us to freedom. So I hope that that this has uh, helped you guys, and yeah. I think it's an important topic, and I think it's an, a topic that really is not being addressed by a lot of people. Yeah, um, and JP too has a phrase: the full rigor and vigor of the gospel. Ooh, cool, right? Like it's the confrontation with sin that the fullest flowering of mercy is made manifest the rigor of the christian life and the vigor the life-giving aspect of it you can't have the one without the other and too often we do that we give people the life-giving side without confronting the rigor of the christian life we give people the rigor of the christian life without giving them the life-giving side fulton sheen said uh in the west we have christ without the cross and in communist russia they have the cross without christ Christ. right so uh yeah so I, I I think all of these things, Dave. I'm I'm happy. I think we should do a follow up with this. I think this should become a little mini series. Maybe next week we tackle sin in uh, in a continuing dynamic. So um, that was your practical takeaways as Dave walked us through these rules. And I think um, you know we can we can begin to work these into our into our own conversations, our own discipleship, our own walks with other people, so that so that we can bring people out of darkness into the light and actually manifest healing for people. Awesome. This has been Every Knee Shall Bow. If you guys have any questions at all, uh, uh, we love to hear from you. EKSB at ascensionpress.com. We get emails every day, and we're so excited to get these emails from people who are out there just in the trenches evangelizing. I remember one time, I think about this often, uh, we were at a meeting where I think it was Jim Beckman who described each of us as like we have a circle and we're trying to expand our circles until they meet. And I see that as EKSB. That's our community. We each have a circle, and we're just trying to expand the kingdom of God until they meet. So I love that. I love that. God bless you all. Yeah, God bless. Adios.